And I think fundamentally, we have to break up with all these old programming, like punch through, work hard, push, do your best, turn up exhausted. And and then it shows that you've got this badge of honor and the tall poppy syndrome. Yes, it did exist, but we're buying into it even more now. And I think, you know, confidence is unstoppable, but that needs to come from within and we need to almost rewrite the script. So we've become indulgent, I think, of using that as an excuse until you can find your own mojo, which is I have to do this because it feels right. And you have a birthright to be your very best self. Welcome to the Self Love Podcast, the show that helps crack open your heart and inspire a deeper regard for your own well-being and happiness. Proudly brought to you by 28 Essentials, here's your host, the gorgeous Kim Morrison. Welcome to the Self Love Podcast. This week, we have a powerhouse in the house. We have the gorgeous and amazing Nikki Fogden-Moore. This woman makes the world a more connected and empowered place. She's affectionately known as the Mojo Maker. Nikki specializes in quantum coaching for the world's best leaders. She works with high-performing men and women together with established and emerging entrepreneurs to guide them to their transformation from overwhelm to sustainable success. Now, this beautiful soul has had 25 years of experience working in both corporate and wellness arenas, which has allowed her to elevate her intuitive and passionate life ethos to thrive in challenging high-pressure environments. This amazing soul is the author of three books, the latest one being Radical Self-Belief. And I think what you'll find in today's podcast is you are going to hear from someone who is unapologetically themselves, someone who is talking the language that we all perhaps want to talk, but may not always have the courage to say it. I cannot recommend you taking notes as you listen to this, and I certainly cannot recommend you following this amazing soul enough. She is the complete package, and we dive into many topics this week, which I know will completely float your boat. I thank you for being on this journey with me. If you would like to make any comments or let me know how you're thinking of this beautiful show and this phenomenal soul, then please head to my Instagram page, Kim Morrison and the number 28, or you can head over to Facebook. Facebook Kim Morrison Training. You can also go to thewellnesscouch.com forward slash self-love podcast. I want to thank 28 Essentials for being the sponsor of this show. And I especially not only want to thank Nikki for being our guest this week, but to you, the beautiful listener who makes this show worthwhile. Thanks for being on the ride with me. You're going to love today's show. Get ready, buckle yourself in. It's a goodie. I am absolutely delighted, beyond excited this week to bring to you a pretty phenomenal soul. The beautiful Nikki Fogden-Moore is also known as the Mojo Maker, but she's way more than that. And what an absolute honor and privilege to have you on the Self Love Podcast. Welcome, gorgeous Nikki. Thank you so much, Kim. What a delight. It's taken us a while to make this happen. <laughs> We've had a few interruptions along the way and a few changes of plans, but that's what happens when you're busy, successful women. So I want to acknowledge you for all the things you are, all the things you're not, and all the things you're about to become, because you are a woman on a mission. And I would love for you to explain to us and the listener exactly what brought you into this realm of work and why you do what you do today. 
Wow. I mean, that's quite a segue uh, from hello. So, well, first of all, thanks for having me on this, you know, beautifully put together show and and with all the other amazing guests that you've had throughout all these episodes and for your authenticity, Kim. I think, you know, like anyone's journey, where at whatever point you're listening to this, you've arrived here by virtue of living your life uh, full throttle is probably how I, I just lived. I've just been all in. Um, through whatever, whether from growing up on a farm, um, you know, the youngest of six New Zealand children, the youngest by nine years of very uncool hand-me-downs, and then being off at boarding school and sort of never really living at home as of the age of 11 and 12, I guess I kind of just ventured out into the world. And I've had certainly some major moments and milestones in life that looking back have probably shaped my mindset and things uh, more than I realized, but then I often counterbalance that with what if you already built like that in the first place. So um, I've been doing in a form or another what I do now for my entire life, I'd say right from a young age uh, to now I've been somewhat of a navigator and and a coach and a motivator and also just a doer. So my background in business and um and branding globally, and then combine that with health and well-being and fitness, and founding different companies from athlete management agencies to working at big branding agencies, and then, you know, teaching spinning in the mornings in, in, in Amsterdam on my way to work. I've just done it all. Um, I've got lost racing mountain bikes in Holland and ended up at pancake houses and done all sorts of things. So I think now I really am the epitome of everything I coach, which is work-life blend. And I have a sole mission, uh, and that is that's what propels me forward every single waking moment. And that is to make sure that the world's wealth is handled by the best value-led leaders. That that good people don't opt out. That that burnout is not a byproduct of of success. And that, that actually all this pesky programming that's been indoctrinated be fast removed. And we have a society of incredibly divine, self-led, grounded confident, calm individuals that add their personality skills and intellect into this world rather than looking outside for validation, artificial intelligence, and realize how powerful we all really are as individuals. Well, that's a pretty power-packed opening, really. So I'll come back at you on that one. (laughs) That is extraordinary. And you are someone who calls yourself a global quantum coach, But we don't become a coach just by thinking we can tell people what to do or what to think. You talk there, Just I just want to pick up on one little thing you said. You want to make sure the wealth of our world is um, led or taken with value-led leaders. What do you mean around that? Because this is a massive topic given the state of our economy, given the state of where people are at right now, and people forging forward and trying to make the best of what it is that they're doing to create their own sense of wealth, but also to contribute back to the planet. Well, 100%. I think innately, if you look back in time, there was a book once that said, you know, sell the Ferrari and become the Buddhist monk. And it was like a bestseller. And it was like, yeah, I opt out of this dirty financial world and earning money, yuck. And I'm going to sit on a hill and and become mindful. And I, I argue that actually it's the mindfulness and the the healthy, wealthy wise and the kindness and community as well as commerce 
that creates the ultimate trifecta, which is people, purpose, and profit. And if all the good people opted out of doing well, then who do we have left running our communities and our companies and, and our cultures? And it's very likely that we're seeing the reflect of that now. So it's not until you go through decades of of working inside the trenches with leaders and athletes and everything else. My, I think I mean is that good people deserve to do well. It's not a dirty topic. We need to be educated that the more you make, the more you can give back. And, and I can give you a tiny story on that, a two-minute story, which is when I, I've been doing this for a year and years and years and years, sorry, and one of my New York clients said to me once, he's like, Nikki, why don't you have your own private jet? You make us so much money. My family's happy. My employees are happier than ever. And But you just keep charging us the same fees you did five years ago. And he said, let me tell you something. The more you make, the more you can give back. And then that just unlocked something for me. And I got I started to educate myself around P&Ls and finance. And I looked under the hood of my own business and I shifted my mentality that commercially doing well meant I could hire more amazing people and I could give back more in the community for causes that I felt like. And it's the self-worth and making sure that values-led leaders stay in place means not getting them to roll over uh, and be railroaded by bullies and tactics that are unethical and, and unjust, but to actually stand up for you know, community interdependence and the things that make going to work and contributing in our commercial society and the ecosystem positive, because just like anything else, money has energy. And so the more it's touched with good intent, the better the ripple effect that it has. And and I believe that we have a, a false sense of economy and that we need good people to be proud of doing well because they're likely to give back more. And we need to remove statements like entitlement and us and them and support good leaders. I certainly work with wonderful, amazing people who are just really good people and they work so hard and they're the ones that sit in the driveway worrying about their families and paying everyone's salaries and keeping the vision alive. And they feel this enormous responsibility and but they don't want to get rewarded for it. And we need to shift that. So it's time to align good values-led leadership with good profitability and that that's actually something that's better for everybody. I couldn't agree more. A statement came to my mind as you were talking then, the whole tall poppy syndrome, the the bringing people down when they are successful, the Mm. underdog is important. What are your thoughts around that? Because it seems to be quite a mentality. Uh, I've been in England. I've spent time here in Australia, obviously in New Zealand. Mm. What is it that when we see people get to the top, there's almost, I wouldn't call it an intelligence, but some sort of desire to pull them down? What is your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, we did agree. We pinky promised uh, at the beginning of whatever we do together, Kim, that I wasn't going to, um, you know, sugarcoat anything. And I think fundamentally we have to break up with all these old programming, like punch through, work hard, push, do your best, turn up exhausted. And and then it shows that you've got this badge of honor and the tall poppy syndrome. Yes, it did exist, but we're buying into it even more now. And I think, you know, confidence is unstoppable, but that needs to come from within and we need to almost rewrite the script. So we've become indulgent, I think, of using that as an excuse until you can find your own mojo, which is 
I have to do this because it feels right. And you have a birthright to be your very best self. And the problem with society and social media and everything is we've got false senses of security of what success really looks like. And it is also inherent programming from the 1930s right through to the 1960s, which is, you know, don't show off, just be be subtle. And anyone that was showing off was seen as lavish or new nouveau riche or all these kind of projected blanket statements, which shamed people from doing well. And so there was an undertone of yes, but I mean, don't get too ahead of yourself. And especially as a woman in the boardroom who's highly energetic, a giraffe, and you know, most likely completely unaware of most of the filters that were sitting in front, I'd just burst in and be fully present unaware of all the politics at that time. And I think growing up on a farm in New Zealand, you just kind of get on with it. You learn to roll your sleeves up, you learn different skills and you you don't have an ego because there's no room for it. So going forward, while I recognize tall poppy syndrome, while I recognize that we have a society that wants to pull people down, that's because it's easier to point the finger at someone else, but there's always three fingers pointing back at you. And we can eradicate that mentality. We can eradicate gossip mentality by not just ethically bystanding now and going, oh God, it's that statement again, but saying to someone, I don't partake in that sort of behavior. I lift others up, you know, lead by example, ask questions, be curious, because there is complete abundance and enough for everybody. So we actually have the power now to eradicate those old stories. Uh, but that has to come from what we do in our own businesses and our own community and our own conversations with women and men. And, you know, to me, it's gender neutral. It's just being a good human and going, that might've been the case before, but I'm not going to pick up that story anymore. I'm not going to be a part of that. And that takes enormous courage because then you see yourself out on this island where you're not sort of acquiescing superseding someone's judgment and getting backlash and trolled and everything else. You really have to, you know, surround yourself with a couple of tools and people that help you stay strong in your conviction because wherever you go, there are going to be people that are emotionally not as evolved to celebrate your success. And that has nothing to do with you. That is purely their insecurities being reflected back at them. Oh, powerful stuff. I want to ask you then, talking about success, I mean, many of us have different definitions of what success is. So I would imagine someone going down the IVF route would say it was a success when they fell pregnant. Someone else's success is marked on. And I've asked a lot of people, how much money is enough? Mm. And I've, I've had all range from $2 million to 50 million so and and beyond but what is interesting to me is this whole idea of success particularly in the area of wealth mm. there seems to be this i don't know this this judgment that people are seen to be filthy rich dirty rich stinking rich there's this negative connotation to wealth or people that seem to make it even if they've made it through hardship why yeah. is that? What's the mentality behind money and the fact that only really, if we really look at it, or if you may even know, the, the percentage of people that can be self-sufficient is quite minimal compared to the masses? Is it a numbers thing or is it something deeper? I mean, I think inside that question, there's almost three different segues because one, you've got a judgment of people with cash 
Two, you've got a society which pays people that flaunt their cash publicly even more. You're talking about, you know, uh, you know, people that are maybe like the Kardashians or this whole reality TV or rappers and musicians and sports stars and how uh, what we are doing though by trying to sort of compartmentalize the ultra wealthy or the ultra successful is once again, we're sitting back casting judgment on what should be done rather than just taking care of our own side of the street. Because right back through days of Socrates, there have been the same, the same micro systems inside communities and companies and countries where you have the ultra wealthy, you have the good, the bad, the evil, the ones that just have to plow the fields. Like the problem is now we have a population that has exponentially grown and we also have social media. So the visibility of dripping with wealth, as you call it, or, you know, like the Bernie Sanders or, you know, the stock market crash or the fraudulent, but there's, it doesn't matter where you look, there's always a, a good source of cash and a source of cash which you feel is slanderous, but that actually is human nature. And what I try and bring people back to is that if you stopped looking out at what's going on and you just concentrated on defining what your great look like and taking a moment to consider what your vital ingredients are. And instead of being afraid of cash and thinking you're never going to have it, start thinking about what would my idea of financial freedom look like and get educated on your basis of what do you need to retire and actually just stepping up to be an adult about it. Because the more we complain what everyone else has and why they have it, the less we're actually building a robust, solid foundation for our own happiness. So in some ways, I believe society, you know, points fingers and but rather we should be educating on if everybody was self-sufficient and did well and felt confident in their skills, whether they're a guitar teacher or a baker or a financial planner, and they just did that really, really well and they concentrated on their own side of the street, we'd have an incredibly interdependent society but that falls apart when we suddenly go, you've got more than I have, that's not fair, um, and we start this kind of pitchfork mentality because that's not going to get us anywhere. So I do believe that there are two streams of, of understanding success, but the first stream is being able to sit down and shut all that white noise out and say life is not a dress rehearsal. You have... 1,440 minutes in a day and a variety of days left. What do you want to do with it? Do you want to spend looking outwards and complaining what you don't have and how everything's unjust? Or do you want to be a beacon of being replete and grounded and happy and totally in gratitude that this is it? And we can actually have whatever we want. It's just that some people are more motivated than others to to have that money and that doesn't mean they're any happier. So the third part of that conversation is we need to come back inside ourselves more often and stop comparing and actually concentrate on our own performance, our own values, our own definition of success, whatever that is. And from that clarity, you get the confidence to create that and that becomes your reality, as you know. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Then talk. can we segue into capitalism then? Because <laughs> if you are talking about socialists and people that really do want to look out for the underdog, the people that are disadvantaged and all of those, 
Then we look at um, people that have a capitalist mentality or perhaps mindset. Again, it's almost seen as capitalism is a wrong or bad thing, generally speaking. But mm. what is your thoughts around the disparity or the distance between the, the very wealthy and the very poor? See, once again, I believe this is what I would call, um, you know, one, we've got an explosion of population. So that those numbers by default have just gone out of proportion. So what the percentage of the disparity between the rich and the poor is probably the same, but the numbers of that percentage have grown since, you know, many, 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 many decades ago. Even around climate change, if you go back to scientific studies, the differences, you know, millions of years ago between now are actually minuscule compared to what we're experiencing, but in relevance, it's horrific. So I would say that actually I try not to buy into um, words like capitalism or minorities, and I just try and concentrate on inclusiveness and considerate conscious decision-making inside how I operate with my business. And I can certainly say that our clients and the clients that are drawn to work with me and vice versa are very conscious of how they treat their staff, the role of variety of people in life, and that self-leadership is not just about how much money you make. Uh, You know, there are people that just want to be in service and that's how they're designed. So, I believe that capitalism is a bit of an opt-out from conscious decision-making when we're always saying this is not right, but we actually need money to go to make the world go round. And we need uh, we need interesting larger corporations like the BPs. And I work a lot in some incredible oil and gas companies who have integrated energy. So they actually care about emissions and carbon footprint and how they give back to farmers and but we never hear about it whereas the companies that do well have the means to actually do well financially have the means to share that wealth it's just that we like as a as a statement to walk around saying they're all bad and dirty because they've got more cash but they probably also do a lot more for the environment now than we're aware because of all the sanctions and things that come into play so I I do think that it's a very interesting discussion. My bottom line of that is doing well and having wealth that makes you not afraid and not fearful of cash. And that means you can live a healthy lifestyle, pay for medical bills, be okay, contribute and have an ecosystem I think is essential. However, that's made up, whether you want to talk about NFTs or crypto or whatever's going on or blockchain, I mean, it's also irrelevant. It's the fact that we need to change our attitude about money and we need to change our attitude about success where how do you show up in that segment? How do you manage your money? How do you manage your relationships with other people? How do you talk about cash? Do you pay the people that work for you on time? You know, so, but it's so easy to deflect and get caught up in what these big, big stories are doing rather than just going, I have an ecosystem that I can control and that I can actually lead by example with. And if we can put everyone back in the driver's seat that way, we by default create a ripple effect of a healthy, conscious cash flow society where I am transacting with you with joy because you've just given me eight essential oils that I love to fill my house up with. And I'm so happy to pay you for those. 
I don't sit there and go, oh my God, Kim's getting so successful. I go, this is amazing. So we've forgotten about exchange and also media and things have become a scapegoat for us taking responsibility for ourselves. So the housing market and all these other things, I rent my place out to, you know, and have never changed my rent with all this interest. So I resent the comments that everybody is out to benefit off renting out properties. I treat people like I would like to be treated. And whether or not that's a minority, I can only take care of my own actions. But the media chooses to create a fear-based conversation in society rather than one of curiosity. So we only get part of the information. And, um, you know, that's not good enough for me. What we need to do is allow people to find peace, harmony, and happiness in their day-to-day lives and not get pulled off track by these blanket statements that make us feel inadequate or that it's not enough and we're not enough. And I'm, for one, wanting to make sure that as a society, everyone feels enough, however they contribute. I think that's our first priority. I love it so much. You know, I was speaking at an event once and I made the joke that, you know, I needed $700 in my bank account by the end of the week. I only had $50 worth of clients booked in. I visualized it, visualized it, and guess how much money I had in the bank account on Friday? I actually had $750. So I was really excited. And then I joked with the audience and said, oh, I should have said a million. Someone yelled out in the audience, oh, now you're just being greedy. And yes. I must admit, I was a little bit taken aback and I was like, oh, and I just obviously paused. And then one of my fellow speakers stood up and said, excuse me, whoever just said that, I want you to picture that if Kim Morrison had a million bucks in her back pocket right now, what do you think she'd be doing with that? And so yeah. I just, I really wanted to bring back that point that we have leaders, we have entrepreneurs, we have people yeah. that like to follow. We have people who love the nine to five and don't want to think about running a business. We are all different types, different breeds, yes. different walks of life. And to encourage and encompass that, what I'm hearing from you is it's that real thought leadership, that real conscious connection and the ability to know that what you're doing is making a difference and not only for you, but for every single person that you have these monetary transactions with. In your humble opinion, then, how much does social media and the media, um, if, I mean, you're a voice, and I know you're a big voice, but there seems to be a lot more noise and voice out there with the negative sides of things, particularly around the energy of money. In your opinion, how do we actually control that? Is it unfollowing things? What's your tips on making sure that we stay with a positive mindset? Well, I have quite a radical view about social media. I mean, I sit and forget. So if, you know, if, if I was to judge myself for the amount of followers that I have, you know, I'd probably be in the backyard in a fetal position going, oh my God, you know, compared to X, Y, Z. But I just, I judge my quality of my work and my results by the way I interact with my clients and how they're doing. So for me, social media is a distraction. I love connecting with my tribe and I love, I I mean, I'm a prolific content creator and writer and and I have been since I was a kid. I wrote stories and drew pictures since I was, you know, I found them the other day. They were rather cute. So I think that if you, the, the point is you have the choice of what you consume. So people, it's like the shark infant industry or drugs or porn or whatever you say is out there. If people will consume it, someone's going to supply it. If people will consume negativity, someone's going to, you know, delight in that. It's, we can't really, 
control, the only thing we control is our own feeling towards the environment we place ourselves in. It is a personal choice. It is not a mandatory to be on social media. And I most of the successful CEOs that run, you know, multi-million dollar and if not billion dollar businesses, they don't even have Facebook. They're too busy in their lives with the people that are significant concentrating on contributing. So, and one of the things that I beat myself up about lately is, you know, it'll be season five of my podcast soon and I haven't done an episode for maybe eight months and I really slack at Facebook and posting. I kind of do my best, but I, I feel that, Yes, social media has a role to play, um, but it's the same thing as when farmers, there was a drought, they go down to the, the pub and they talk about things and share it. There's always been a town crier. We've just got an explosion of noise that people don't know how to switch off from it. So my biggest mission is to say that in a society of complexity, which is a quote by Stephen Hawkins, we are in a complex society, we must not try and control the landscape, but rather empower individuals to make better choices. And that's why I've written three books on breakup with burnout. (laughs) You know, that's why I help people get off that railroad, get off that hamster wheel and take that tiny five degree coordinate shift to the right with this completely uncharted territory, which is void of requiring validation. Uh, void of needing to know what's going on because we're always connected anyway and understanding that you're already enough and that doing your day and being present and showing significance to your friends and family in person is so valuable and and social media has many good developments but it's your choice what you tap into so it's not the information Kim it's the fact that we've actually removed people's self GPS to know how much they want to indulge or consume. And therefore they're not really applying their lives. They're constantly consuming. So we need to maybe educate and self-educate on, you know, when it's too much, you know, when you don't believe in it, but we can't control how everyone reacts. It is a concern. It is a major issue for a variety of reasons, but once again, that can be an overwhelming area to go down. So once as a leader, as a parent, as a friend, all you can do is lead by example and go, how much of that is healthy for me? And and if you don't like something, you can unfollow without making a negative comment. So there's a grace that comes with just allowing the management of your own time and the management of what information you consume. I don't even have normal television. I've got no television channels. I'm guilty of binge-watching the Real Housewives episodes, I must confess, and Formula One, any sports documentary and I'm over it. Hi, Danny. So, (laughs) um, you know, I love sports documentaries because I love the power of the mind, but social media is choice, you know. So I don't even go into shopping malls as as, uh, going them as least as I can. Like it's a choice. All that is available to you, but how you choose to run your day is and how you create your vital ingredients and use that time is entirely personal choice. Yeah, I agree. I'm really interested then. You're talking a lot about mindset, languaging, programming, all of these things that have been supposedly embedded or we've grown up with. And I appreciate some people may not know there's other opportunities or ways of viewing the world. 
until they start educating themselves. Mm. But you talk about, we we talked a little bit about burnout and almost Mm. like it's a badge of honour, but so is anxiety, overwhelm, depression. And with respect, I'm not knocking anyone if they feel they're in that space, but it is almost a badge of honour or the martyrdom or the ability to say it's, it's almost worn with pride and mother guilt or I don't know, there just seems to be this labelling of what these things are doing to us. What's your remedy to discount or fix or heal anything that's creating that havoc in one's lifestyle? Well, I do have a remedy. Um, You know, my third book, Radical Self-Belief, was about putting yourself in the driver's seat and and taking full accountability. First of all, you have to be aware of your own patterns, right? And then sometimes... Uh, we don't realize it until the universe gives us a, a nice little shove and we've got all these, I call it the 1090 rule. The problem with some things is we can sit in the story of how we got there for way too long rather than focusing on what's next. And so the reason I always say to my coaches, you know, my my coaching clients, you've got to be ready to work with me because we don't wallow. We understand, we recognize, we reflect, but we fast and firmly give you your power back to find like hunting for truffles, where those microchips are that are subconsciously keeping you stuck in misery, exhaustion, depression, anxiety, confusion, chaos, and overwhelm, and giving you the runway to choose the alternative and that you absolutely can do that. But it's just like a mental gym, Kim, is that we have to be willing to show up to that gym every day. We can't just buy the membership. So we've flexed our left bicep in society for so long. And now we've become to some degree uh, support, but we're not creating self-sufficiency. And those old school values of, you know, self-sufficiency of handing down cerebral and practical and cognitive skills of designing, creating, handcrafting because of social media and because of Siri and because of instant information, we're not using all the necessary parts of our brain's function, all the necessary parts of our body function. So we're kind of operating on 2% battery power of what we really are, which is the quantum aspect. The issue is, I think, that we have to tread delicately because we're not ever shaming anyone's state of being. But there is a doorway and an opportunity to have radical self-acceptance and radical self-accountability go, I am my pathway out of this. More than ever, we're in a $650 billion industry on solving burnout. And, And this is all I write about and coach on day in, day out. No amount of band-aids will work unless people are willing to meet you halfway and pick up the tools and use them. We can consume the reasons. We can consume the mindfulness mantras. We can consume the statements. But unless you flex your mental muscle and what I call thought tinder are willing to replace and let go of those old stories with the positive ones, you won't be able to shift out of that. And in some ways, like the diet industry, we're keeping people stuck we are allowing people to stay in chaos and calm and overwhelm and anxiety by not helping them become more sufficient at a younger age to recognize the subconscious triggers and move out of that. And I will caveat the statement to anyone that is sitting in extreme depression and anxiety to say there is no judgment in this, but there is a 
cognitive proven neuroplasticity uh, and I'm a massive nerd when it comes to neuroscience and quantum physics that given the will there is a way but we need to be able to not you know point fingers at people and, and blanket statement but curiously people that want to do the work will find you and they'll gravitate towards the simplicity of it and it's one step at a time I call it the Indiana Jones analogy you know when he's going for the treasure he there's no road in front of him he just puts one foot out between those two cliffs and the next brick appears and I think that's our mental health journey is you have to trust the leap of faith you take one next right step and then the next brick appears and that is the fastest way to start and radical self-belief means honoring who you are it's the self-love that you talk about every day Kim it's looking in the mirror and not comparing and not needing external validation and feeling enough. And that significance is a single human need. It's a, I think it's a, a basic human need that's even scientifically proven that people need to be seen. And I like to ensure that people see themselves. And from that foundation, we have the most incredible basis to then build what great looks like. So there is a, there is a solution but we have to stop indulging in how we got there and actually start stepping up to apply the tools that we've been given. Mm, powerful as so many people live in their story rather than solving or looking for solutions. And I totally hear you. You've already answered my question now on self-love, looking in the mirror and actually seeing that you are enough and realizing how significant it plays a huge role. Is there anything more you'd add to that as far as the definition of self-love? Because the other thing I did notice you said, the first step is self-awareness. Oh, and yeah. I really do believe that that is one of the biggest keys is understanding. It's okay to be in a funk or to not be feeling good or to do these things, to be the human, mm -hmm. but it's also really important to look forward. Is there anything more you'd add to what self-love means to you? I mean, I think the biggest quote I always have through my books and in the next year is your ego is not your amigo. And you can't ever get rid of that subconscious voice that goes, oh, you know, how do you think you can go on here? And, you know, we're constantly berating ourselves, putting ourselves down, you know, 75 to 95% of the conversations that we have with ourselves are very critical, 150% for women. You know, men internalize a lot more, I believe, and the self-judgment so understanding that your subconscious self is just needs to be seen and being kind to that. I always name everyone's ego, you know, so I always say to people, name your subconscious self. Mine's Bob, but I just say to Bob, it's okay, man, I've got this because he's sitting there, you know, panicking, doing push-ups in the background, waiting for me to have a weak moment to go, who do you think you are? Or all these kind of things like just, I remember I broke my tailbone snowboarding at a school thing once and they said, oh, don't worry about her. She won best actress. And I was on the mountain, like violently ill in the worst pain. And my teacher said that to the ski instructor and I was like, far out. So I just have always got, I've, you know, I've always known, just keep quiet, like don't be too much. And so those little voices which is extraordinary because you think I'm a very outgoing person, but but everybody, every athlete, every human, even animals have a moment or many moments of self-doubt and thought tender it, see it for what it is, and then go, oh, there's that again. And then just don't pick the bag up, leave it on the carousel. Like you're at the airport and you go, I'm not picking that baggage up anymore. That's no longer mine. Pack light. And that takes discipline every day. That's the art of Taoism and Buddhism and mindfulness 
it's not enough to understand that, but you need to practice it. And that's where neuroplasticity comes in, which is what I call the mind gym, which is flexing the right muscle instead of the negative muscle and, and going, hold on a second there. Uh, that's an old criticism. That's not a fact. I'm just going to let that go. And I'm going to go ahead and do this anyway. And then, and if you're a guy or a woman listening to this and you know, I, I agree with you about labels, Kim. I I think everybody in my team is amazing, whether it's Lulu or Sarah, she's got three kids and, you know, my designer, and they just all show up in their own different ways in their own incredible talent. And some of them do the most basic things, but they're just happy. And we all form uh, integral part of the puzzle in the world. We've got to stop having to run a business or having to have this hustle or making a million dollars. At what cost? At what cost are we chasing a title that everybody else can go, I've made it? You don't make it unless you've come into alignment with yourself and you're happy regardless. And I think that's what I try and emulate and share and bottle up and give to my clients that the conditions are always perfect. Um, you know, it breaks my heart what's going on in New Zealand right now. I don't even think Australia is really aware of the decimation that's happened after that cyclone. But we're so lucky, yet we throw a tantrum if we can't get a hot latte on time or we've just lost perspective. And so what I love about your teachings and why we're so in alignment is sometimes being a coach is not, it's not about telling people what to do, Kim. It's about showing, lighting the runway up one row at a time because it's their journey. I'm just the navigator. And in this world, all I want to do is light the runway up to say, you know, just around the corner, there's this incredible, free, peaceful, calm, replete utopia. You just have to have the courage to step to the right and leave that old baggage. But when you do, you'll never look back. And it's, and that's my motivation is it's not difficult. It's actually really simple. We're just addicted to difficult. We're addicted to the issue. We're addicted to gossip. We're addicted to, oh my God, you know, and what a waste of energy when we can be addicted to joy. <laughs> you know, like I'm walking Roxy, learning to skateboard, flapping around on a surfboard. I signed up for Noosa Tri. I'm such a Muppet, but find me outside and you'll find me happy. Find me with a good coffee, find me working and you'll find me happy. And I do it for joy. Um, but I'm also proud of running an astute financial business, which can provide jobs, sustainability and a robust platform that I'm always going to be around. Um, and we need to educate on profitability rather than turnover dollars and contribution rather than cash. And that comes back to valuing yourself and self-love. So for me, self-love is, is not needing everyone else's validation, but to just come into the every day with a softness and, and a curiosity and that everything is just going to unfold the way it's supposed to. And, and also radical self-confidence that I can handle anything. Um, um, and that I don't have any judgment. And that has been a massive turning point in on a cellular level that I don't get triggered by anything. I really don't. And it's been like a game changer. It's like a light bulb went off. It's, it's, someone's reactions are not my responsibility and they don't have to change how I feel or show up. You might get a shock or you might turn up an accident or you might have something which is shocking 
but how you respond is your choice. And that self-belief and that calm and that confidence and that inner intelligence, that emotional IQ gives you a completely different perspective on life. And I know that's what all of us are talking about here, which is you got this, but that takes conscious practice of owning your own side of the street. Tell you how much I love this so much, so so much, and I love the fact that when you're talking about clients and actually bringing them to their own answers, every yeah. single person I've ever worked with or met has the answers within. Like you said, you're just lighting the runway. I absolutely adore that. The the other thing you mentioned a couple of times is outdoors, sport, walking, and I know you're a massive fitness advocate. I've really felt throughout my own life that sport is actually a metaphor for life. Business is a metaphor for life. Relationships can be a metaphor for all other areas of life. How has sport and being active played such a big role in your life as an entrepreneur? Oh, what a you know what a beautiful question. Um, I've always had a, a, a sense of play since I was always very active as a child. I had asthma and I was allergic to dairy, so I can remember when I was born in my early years being quite unwell. So. I, you know, in those days, you didn't have alternatives. You had like condensed milk with water, I think, was, you know, back on the farm in Wanganui. But they were the happiest days. And then when I went to boarding school, I was involved in a bus accident, which was about 30 years ago or whatever, and five people died. And I was trapped underneath someone that didn't make it as well. And I broke my back and did some serious damage. And then I went back to school. And funnily enough, they made us go to the court case and go back to school by bus. Can you believe it? Like... So, but but sports and movement for me has a synergy with energy. And it is a, a requirement that we utilize flow in our life. So I wrote one of my first companies was called Life's a Gym, and I and I wrote a book called Vitality on fresh air, fresh food, and fresh perspective that that exercise and fitness and health, whether it's sports, teams, whether it's individual is essential for oxygenation of our brain, uh, for our fascial joints, for our cellular level. It reduces illnesses and disease. It increases flexibility and strength. It helps with our mindset. It improves metabolism, better sleep, which in turn means better health overall, et cetera. I mean, we could keep going on. But the other point about it is you show up for yourself. So when you decide to like do a walk and talk or I mean, you know, do whatever. If you don't compare where you used to be and you just start and you just move, you've shown up for yourself. There are no rules. Uh, there are no rules of how we should look, but we, there is a rule around how we should feel. And that is our personal best. And that is what we fuel our body with, what we fuel our mind with, detonates the response that we have in our lives. And the sports and the well-being and the fitness um, aspect for me have been so highly integrated that I actually became head trainer for Women's Health and Fitness magazine for five and a half years until I decided to hang the hot pants up. We're just launching a new app and I'll have a whole fitness section, which I'm almost going to get the hot pants out for again, God forbid. But I had to overcome my own criticism of how fit I was then and now. Oh, I don't look the same or I can't run the same or you know, so I feel like movement is the key to everything. It is the key to moving through your thoughts. It's the key to cellular health and fresh air 
And we're so lucky here on the Sunshine Coast because we have an abundance of beautiful fresh air and greenery and plants and ocean and, oh, it's just nature's playground. And that if we get to move, it is not a chore, it is a choice. And we should be so grateful instead of going, oh, I have to go and do that. You get to go and do that. You get to jump in the pool. You get to play squash. You get to play with your kids. You get to join a team sport. It lifts your spirits up and it gives you the longevity and the vibrancy, the vitality to absolutely embrace every day. And it is an essential ingredient for the trifecta of being the CEO of your life as well as your business. Oh my God, it sounds like a sportscaster now. Oh, I think you should be on a blooming podium. This is what I'm feeling. I'm ready to go for another run. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I um, I heard, I watched the documentary or the, 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 the comedy on Netflix of um, Ricky Gervais and I just, I just love him. I love how he calls it as it is. I love how he talks about offensiveness and what we do as people and how we can use comedy as a healing, but also many people get offended. And I just love his attitude. Very similar to yours. But one of the questions he was asked is, Ricky, why don't you have kids? And he turned around and he goes, why, why do people ask people that don't have kids that question? He goes, I should be asking, why do you have kids? <laughs> I mean, and- you've got to ask about this because we <laughs> spoke about it. <laughs> And I'm curious to know how you have successfully achieved where you are and what you've what you've done to this point. As a woman without children, um, you and I both know and spoke off here just about some comments, even by mm-hmm. women, mm-hmm. about the fact that maybe there's an element of selfishness and things like that. Please talk to us a little bit about this. I think it's a topic, as we both discussed, that's really not spoken about. Yeah. And can you explain to us how you've navigated that pathway? Yeah, and I'm glad, I mean, we did speak about this off air because I feel, um, you know, it's such a personal topic. Um, And I've certainly felt that in the recent years, I've come better terms with it. But it's, it's, you know, I would be the ideal mum because I'm such a kid at heart. And and so I'm just the best auntie, you know, and, and um, well, I did throughout my career cop a lot of flack on stage or in sessions with mostly women going, oh, it's all right for you. You don't have kids or it's selfish. You know, you stand up there and X, Y, Z. And and in the beginning, I felt um, really hurt by those comments. And I thought, you know, if I was to turn around and 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 say that to anyone else, I would be absolutely demonized for it. But for some reason, when you're, you know, you're standing on stage and you're in a point of authority and you're speaking on something, you are open game for other people's mirrors of their projections or you bring up stuff for people, right? But I also had, I, I felt sad recently that I didn't have my own kids. I felt sad that I, you know, should have maybe done things differently. And then I kind of sat down with myself. I like to have meetings with Nikki. She's quite interesting to chat to. And I always coach myself through these things. And I I kind of do an A and B conversation and we are where we're at and, and there's no going back. And I feel that those choices were just, if I was to compare, then I'd be utterly miserable. And I've got amazing friends that have elected for IVF on their own and then met partners later and and I'm just in awe of all types of opportunities. And for some reason, I didn't have my own children and I love kids and I would love to do that. And I've had partners with kids before. And But the topic of it, uh, as a woman in business is can can be really alienating because there's everyone's like the mumpreneur and it's harder when you have a family and and I I argue that 
there is a, a, a vast segment of very successful, dynamic women uh, and men that are out there that don't have families, that are well into their careers, that are contributing highly in the workplace, that are giving everything. And you need to find in your soul a way to nourish the spot that maybe children or a family would have taken because this is your journey. You know, I don't know about you, Kim, but I certainly feel that my life is one of service. It's I just I'm I couldn't even go and change jobs if I wanted to. Always uh, laugh with Ros White that I used to stand on stage and say I'd pack groceries for a living, <laughs> but there's just no way I can't. Like something propels me forward, and so I had to have radical acceptance and appreciation for my body and the things that I've gone through, and give myself the kindness that others weren't affording me. Um, you know, and not being alienated from groups because I wasn't a mum and and being okay with that and going, that's no one means to. It's just that that's just, you know, you've got to be really confident and comfortable with where you're at in life at any point. And nothing's finite. Um, but it's a topic that I've been, I think, you know, lashed out at without people thinking. And I just want to say to anyone that is a mum in business, I mean, I don't know how you do it. I have a dog and I run a business and it's already busy and I'm already doing so much laundry and there's just a few of us. So, but I feel like we need to have a judgment-free zone no matter what the situation, whether you are married, divorced, single, loved up, you know, whatever situation, whether you've got one kid, three, whether your kids have left the home, everyone's life is different. And I I think if we can be judgment-free and curious, it is a much kinder environment uh, to be in. And we just put our energy and love into other things. Like I've got beautiful, you know, nieces that are friends of mine's daughters that I love to bits. And we do things like we go to Bistro Sea or we go down to the beach, we'll do little outings together and those things fill me up. So they're like my family. But it is a really, really personal topic in business where I'm not a threat to anyone just because I don't have kids. So instead of looking at me like I'm better off, look at those young children that you've been able to foster and care for and look after and that are your flesh and blood and see the beauty that you've got that maybe some women will never experience. And I think that ability to have compassion for any situation is where we become good humans. What a topic and what an incredible answer. And I do believe that mothering instinct is in us, whether we have children or not. Yeah, for sure. And that nourishing and nurturing side of us, as you said, can go into our business, our beautiful uh, employees become our, our family, our animals. And as you said, your nieces and nephews, it's an incredible position because often I remember just as an example, being up on stage at one point and talking about the importance of taking care of oneself, no matter what our role or no matter who we are or what we're doing in work business and someone yelled out no joke that's right for you you're a skinny bitch oh yeah and I had that I had that in a shop once Kim I walked in there I said <laughs> do you have this in a size eight and she said no and then she walked off and said skinny bitch and I was like excuse me like yeah I know yes, you know but I, I remember it's... seeing this quote by Gwyneth Paltrow, which I, which was my go-to. Oh, God, topical, topical. Oh, my gosh, I know, right? But she said, what, you think I look like this because of genetics and good luck? Bullshit. I train most days. I watch everything that I eat. I'm committed to well uh, health and wellness. I am absolutely besotted with making sure I take care of myself. That's why I look like I do. 
And I just thought, yeah, you, you're alluding to the same thing. It's about taking ownership for who we are, our circumstance, being brave, bold, and courageous, owning yeah. what superpowers we do have. Yeah. And therefore, I want to ask you, do you believe, no matter what our situations, shape, size, whatever it is, whatever our commitments are, do we all hold superpowers in your viewpoint? Oh, I mean... I have a whole campaign about unlocking your superpowers. I absolutely categorically, that's my mission is to go, hey, did you, in fact, all my workshops, I have these beautiful cards that we do and everyone has a call sign, which is a hashtag of their superpower because we need everyone to realize how radically amazing they are. My uh, my office manager, Sarah, would label you if you sat still long enough. She is the epitome of organization, you know, and I think it's about embracing people's superpowers uh, and seeing the beauty in everyone's differences and skills and harnessing that. But the other thing I want to say is we're allowed to evolve. Um, We're allowed to become the better version of ourselves constantly. There is no resolution. We don't make New Year's resolutions or life resolutions. We're in constant organic evolution. We, We never sit still on a certain level and and we've got a chance of swapping rigid thinking for possibility. So superpowers can be unlocked at any age or stage and they can be added to. They are about just allowing yourself to be radically in flow, to have truth in conversation, to not be fearful, to not be manipulated, to not sell a position in and how we communicate to each other and moving away from codependent society and family and friends into interdependence with allowing someone to speak their truth without holding it against them, um, having clear conscious communication styles, understanding, and I wrote about this on today, this week's Monday Mojo that I wrote last night, Kim, was what if you didn't have to throw the baby out with the bathwater, but you would just unlock a little level that would make everything you've got more enjoyable? But we're sort of this swipe left or right society, which is that's not good enough. I'm ditching it. Whereas my mum had a blender for like 25 years that she carefully looked after and got serviced. And I just feel like we don't look after what we have and we don't service it accordingly. We don't have our vital ingredients, our self-love rituals, our me time to really celebrate that each one of us can show up in this world with something so valuable, but we have to actually be willing to give ourselves permission to grab that and to own that. And then we have to let go of needing other people's permission. And that's really hard because in society, not so much now, but in our age group, you had to get permission. You had to eat your vegetables before you had dessert. And now we've got a society where everyone wants their dessert without their vegetables. You know, everyone wants to have a job, but they want to go on holiday straight away. So there's a coming together of conscious accountability where what you put into life, you get back. And there might be some short win success stories out there and some fast made cash and some influences, but it's the people that you don't hear about. It's the quiet achievers. It's those that concentrate on great friendships and showing up and doing the work without fuss that I just love and admire because it's the work we do when no one's watching that is the most fulfilling. And so I always say, let everybody else go over to that concert of life over there and then make your own VIP area. And and that's just, it's so significant. But we have to be willing to go, what are you 
What lights you up? What are your vital ingredients? What do you need to feel, have, and do to live your best life? And you might decide to change that in six months' time or a year's time. But right now, you have to be willing to define what great looks like and what you need to be your personal best. And it's not to manipulate that or to push that onto anyone else. It's to say, hey, Kim, I cannot wait to be on your show. I'm best in the mornings. Uh, when's a good time for you? And I'd love to catch up with you later. Let's do a walk because I love the outdoors. And you'd be like, awesome. Not like, oh, maybe, you know, we've, we've just got to change how we communicate. And that is because we're not really honest with ourselves. But as soon as you become honest with yourself, then the ecosystem around you changes and it becomes so much less friction and just things become a lot easier. Mm, powerful as I love that line communication is the response you get so how you're communicating and putting yourself out there into the world take a take a I, I guess an audit do an audit see where you're at really notice what it is that you want to achieve in life and I don't know about you Nikki but my grandmother always said to me if you don't know what that purpose is or what that fire is or what it is you want to do then go to a place of service and we kind of started the beginning of this podcast with that's ultimately what you love to do. I I could not agree more. It's where I love to sit and place myself. And if I can be in a place of service, I just get to learn not only so much about my beautiful clients or the beautiful people that attend anything, but also you get to see the reflections of oneself. Mm. Do you think then, as, as we come to a close of this, I'm so conscious of your time. I know how in no, demand you are. <laughs> But I want to ask you, you are a powerhouse and you are on a mission and you are an example of what it means to actually take something by the horns and go get it, no matter how hard, no matter how tough, no matter how challenging, also trusting in the beauty of holding on to those horns. I would love for you to share, perhaps if someone's listening to this and goes, she is the exact person I need. <laughs> what? How can we follow you? What, and can you please also tell us your books, your programs, all the things that Nikki offers? if you've got space. <laughs> oh, you're, su you you're such not. a sweetheart. You know, I'm like the reverse seller. I, I I think on my website, you can't even find out how to coach with me because I, I've always sort of just, you just, I think the best thing to do is go into NikkiFogdenMore.com and join Monday Mojo because it's free and you get worksheets. And, and then there's, you know, of course, Instagram and YouTube and the Radical Self-Belief podcast on, on Spotify and iTunes and all those things. But if you go into NikkiFogdenMore.com, you can start your journey there. Uh, what I'm really excited about is this year, of course, it's the 25th anniversary of my boardroom retreats. And so I've got some great dates coming up, a one-day retreat that I kind of designed for local leaders on the 26th of May and the men's legacy lunch again on the 28th of April. And I think what's really important is we are in a society now where I really applaud the ability for women to come together and for us to support each other. And we're doing much, much better at it. But one of the things I enjoy most about my work is creating a safe place for all leaders to shine and a conversation for the men in our lives who probably, you know, had a bit of work to do definitely in society. But there are some great men out there that are really championing inclusivity, diversity, commerce, development, and they're just good people. So when I talk or create or coach or run these retreats and events it's I also want to create a safe understanding that we need to have interdependence and healthy relationships no matter what the gender 
And I think there's a room as well as women that we can show gratitude and recognition for great men that are supporting women, that are proud of their partners, that are, you know, got good mates that do lean in and they're just finding their way too in this chaotic world. So anyone listening to this, self-love isn't woo-woo, it's essential. And, you know, working with me coaching wise is probably a bit harder to do because I only have 12 spots a year. And, but by all means, you know, drop me an email and, or come to one of my events. And I, I'm not for the faint hearted, Kim, I have to say. And there are some amazing coaches out there that are, you know, one of my former clients, Olga Domoski, I'll give her a shout out. She's created a beautiful abundant circle for women and you, of course. But I'm a really, I'm a, I'm a renegade coach. I'm a hardcore Marine Corps meets Buddha coach. I will get people as fast as possible to unlock their superpowers, take responsibility and create a roadmap that works because my job is to get as many radical people doing well in this life that we can uplift society and create a solid foundation for a happy, healthy planet and where commerce is run by good people. So so I'd say that come and listen to any of the podcasts, buy the books, Radical Self-Belief. I have a new edition of Fitpreneur, How to Be the CEO of Your Life as Well as Your Business. That's coming out, free T-shirts, Vitality is there. They're all doing books. All my books have worksheets and things in them that you do stuff. They're not books to go, oh, my God, that was so inspiring. They're books to get shit done. They're books to shift you. They're books to change your life. Because if you can't work with me, pick up a book and I'll jump out of the pages and I'll give you every tool I can to ensure that you can actually create a roadmap, a 90-day plan, a winning week, a fitness journey, uh, whatever you need to crack on with living your best self and to then utilize other resources and opportunities because you have the mind and the space to engage in those tools because you're not overwhelmed and you're not burnt out and you realize how awesome you are. So, you know, I do lead from the front and I am, you know, a lot, but I'm proudly a lot. I'm proudly energetic. I'm proudly passionate. And I'm also proudly always lying about my age <laughs> because I've stopped at 40. I think that's it. Even even at the at the clerk at the admin, she was like, that's the wrong, you, you put your wrong age on the paper. And I was like, no, I haven't. And I gave it back to her and she's like, no, it's not the right age. And she passed me the paper back. And I said, it is the right age. And I passed it back to her and that went on for five minutes. She said, I think you should look at your driver's license. So <laughs> I actually was in complete denial of myself. And I love that. I love that. I love that your spirit defines your reality. And, and I have only just fully even started accepting all the facets of being imperfectly Nikki and how much I'm so proud that I provide to my clients at any time and that I'm unwavering on that. So this year to be on a podcast like this with yourself, Kim, and to surround myself with incredible, courageous women and men and to live in true alignment is the greatest gift I could ever hope for. I, I do want to say that I miss my dad who I lost uh, during COVID and I miss his funeral and I miss being with him. I, I, I flew back to get Roxy an extra babysitter and something in my gut was going, don't leave, stay in the hospital, just don't leave. And so I flew back. And then when I got to Australia, we got locked down and I couldn't get back and I miss being with him. And I promised him that I would be with him when he passed over and so my biggest regret is now I didn't listen to my gut. So now I never not listen 
to my gut because that's the strongest GPS we're given. And if we can help everybody tune into that real deep inner voice, then what a radical world we're going to have and how exciting it's going to be. You are a magnificent, beautiful, gangbusters, absolute divine soul who I have totally enjoyed listening to every single word. You speak my language. I am definitely probably gentle, but anyone that works with me would know there's there's a side of me that comes out and maybe it's the the ultra marathon athlete in me. There's there's always a side of me that just absolutely adores this this deep-seated, deep-rooted work where you get to be and play life at its absolute fullest. I, I would like to finish with asking you, I imagine you'll be someone who goes to her grave going, woo bloody who, I couldn't have fitted another thing in. Is that a fair comment? Um, I, I definitely feel like, you know, there are parts of that that are true, but I also have this wildly calm curiosity of nature and, and I see everything in high definition. So I'd say that even though externally I'm, I am at like roadrunner sometimes, it's, I'm very on purpose and I'm exquisitely um, connected to the world around me. Uh, so, you know, uh, the environment that I'm in is extremely important. My, the beach, the moments in my day, I live every day with extreme connection and gratitude to just, I don't know, even the trees. And there's a lot of with a giant kangaroo at my front door. I've had a lot of snakes in my house lately. And my I feel like I was duly the cruise director for Noah's Ark because I've had a lot of interactions with animals lately. But I I would say that, I'm not in a rush to think about what my grave moment will be because I feel that I just want to slow every micro moment down and look around me and go, wow, like wowzers. I pinch myself. Um, I just adore the people I get to work with. I, I feel like it's a privilege to come on a show like this. And I know it seems extra. I can't tell you it's, it's, it's just this, richness of life and it's not even about a bank balance it's I look like a scruffy larrikin you know I wander around in denim shorts and a t-shirt most of the time and I, I love jumping in the ocean and doing my laps at the pool and it's those simple things that fill me up and if I can just continue this trajectory I think I'll go to my grave with the biggest smile on my face um going, I've created a legacy of appreciation and I've put more and more people in that same feeling. And then I'll be a very, very happy soul. Oh, and therein lies the balance, you beautiful being. I love this so much. And I think what's so clear and visible is the amount of conscious thought that you have put into living your best life to being the best amazing coach you can be but also your contribution to humanity and what a gift not only are we fellow Kiwis but here <laughs> we are living in one of the most beautiful places on the planet with gratitude mm. if you could finish my sweetheart with one of your favorite quotes and any final words I would be most grateful I think to anyone listening uh, you know, when you listen to shows like this or you watch documentaries or you might look at Instagram, you've got to realize that we're all human and we all have challenges and we feel the same and we get lonely or we get challenged or we get hurt or, you know, life's a rally. So I would say that don't put anyone on a pedestal and just see the the humanness in the fact that we're all trying to do our best. 
Um, and my biggest quote, I think, is that life has no remote. You, you've got to get up and change it for yourself. And and if you can't, then you need to ask someone for help. But choose that help wisely because the right people will want you to do well. They will want you to shift. They will want you to succeed. And they will do so gently one step at a time with you and for you. And there is no perfect. Um, celebrating what you have right now, I think, is one of the greatest gifts you can do for yourself and those around you. And that getting rid of needing to have stuff and just being is the the biggest richness of all. I think it's the greatest wealth is already feeling that you have everything. And when you have that, you've got an unlimited foundation. So, you know, and if you want more, please come and hang out. I, I would love to have a bigger tribe on NikkiFogdenMore.com. I'd love to have a bigger tribe with everything. I'm launching an app. It's scary as heck. I keep procrastinating and pushing the date off because I'm such a perfectionist. So I pinky promise any listeners that I will get it out, whether it's not perfect, I'll just get it out. But the you don't, there are no barriers. The only barrier we have is the one we place on ourselves and um, surround yourself with good people that want to see you shine. And don't worry about those that don't, they're just doing their best in their own way. And they're none of your business. And um, at the end of the day, we're all the same. We have 1440 minutes in the day. That's how you use it. That counts. You are a beautiful being. Thank you so much. This is so inspiring. I'm so grateful that we finally made it happen (laughs) and it has been well worth the wait. Nikki Fogdenmore, thank you from my heart to yours. You are one hell of a beautiful woman. Thank you so much, Kim. And I just appreciate everyone that's listened to our conversation and, and being part of this journey. And I always say it's just the beginning, isn't it? And I hope that you've taken something out of this chat. And it's a, a privilege, Kim, to be part of this show with you. Um, and I look forward to following up. I'm going to jump off and, and go to a board call now. And um, and I hope that we've made your listeners radically happy and radically inspired. You sure have, my friend. Lots of love. Thanks for listening to the Self Love Podcast. Be sure to write a review and share the love with your friends and family. And head over and visit Kim and her team at 28.com. That's the word 20 and the number 8.com. Take good care. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.